0: for under the hood pod with jay J- hood J- oh god welcome in it's the hood podcast with me jay hood thanks so much for downloading the podcast wherever you are we hope that you have a happy labor day weekend the reason why i'm stopping by is because i got so much to talk to you guys about so uh thanks so much for jumping in um let me go to this first first of all Thank you so much. I want to just take time out to thank you so much for supporting the uh, cap J. Hood morning show, morning 7 to 10 on ESPN 1000 and also on the ESPN Chicago app. Thanks so much for doing that. And for those that don't know, we'll be talking to Bears head coach Matt Eberflus uh, every morning, every Monday morning at 830. That's what I was told, 830 Monday morning. So after the Bears games, he's going to be with us every Monday morning, at 830, AM Central Time, so I hope that you get a chance to tune into that. Listen, you and I both know that the Bears season is important, and the reason why that ESPN 1000 is the home of the Bears is because we have the opportunity to be able to have access. And one of the things we are able to do now is to talk to either Kevin Warren or Ryan Poles and uh, Matt Eberflus and some of the players. So I'm very excited about that. I'm excited to be on this journey with you. Uh, There's only one other time in my career that I was associated with the Bears. It was loosely when uh, the Bears were on WBBM. Um, But right now, uh, we are the home of the Chicago Bears. So it's good to be able to let you guys know a lot more information now about the Bears than I had before, than we all had before, because we can be at a household, we can tell you what's going on, and um, we don't have to guess. We can just tell you what's going on. So thanks so much for your support, as always, with our show. Uh, You know, as far as our show is concerned, Cap and I, you know, we've been at this for three years now, and the one thing that's important from my standpoint is to be able to let you know what's going on, to um, entertain you, to make you mad, to make you happy, whatever it is, right? As long as we're together uh, every morning between 7 and 10. Uh, there's so much going on in our world, as you well know, so why can't we just be able to just kick back, talk some sports, talk some entertainment, talk about what's going on in our lives, because I just think that that's, uh, that's important. I think that with the rest of our friends, we do that anyway, right? Talk about everything, and so that's kind of what our morning show is. And with Shay and Jay Moore uh, at the controls as our producers, that's uh, it makes it even better, um, the, what we've been able to put together with our show Jay Moore, and I hope to be able to sit down and have an interview with Jay Moore because many of you don't know his background. His background is very vast. He's done a lot in this business that I think more people need to know about. I remember um him being on the show on a I guess six days a week on Power Ninety Two. Um Trey and Naki, the uh, uh the Chocolate Jocks, uh he was on a show every night and uh, was on a music show, and uh, that show was hilarious, and it was fun, it was loose, it was young, uh, when he was a younger man, and he's traveled to San Francisco, and he's done a lot of different things uh, in the music industry, and now he's one of our executive producers on the show, so I hope to be able to bring an interview with him as one of our producers so you can know more about him, because he's had quite a career already and now he's working with us every morning between 7 and 10. And of course, Shay Norling, one of our executive producers as well, his journey, his sojourn from Detroit and working in Chicago and now working on Cap and J-Hood, uh, pretty cool. So we, uh, we've got quite the crew with us every morning, and uh, I hope that if you haven't listened to us before, now this fair season, I hope that you get a chance to check us out every morning. Um, a couple other things I want to talk to you about. I want to tell you about the I- flu thing, because I don't know if everyone knew about that, but I'm telling you now that he was going to be with us. I want to um, talk to you a little bit about um, what's been going on with me lately. Um, so for those of you that have listened to the show or follow me on Twitter, now called X, uh, XJ Hood ESPNs), so you can find me on social media on um, what used to be called Twitter, now X. You know that um, in May, I lost my cousin, um, Ariana Preston. And uh, I'm pretty close with many members of my family, um, but Ariana was the best of us because she didn't even get the chance to be 30 yet. She didn't get a chance to walk down the aisle. Um, she didn't get a chance to do a lot of things that I think that she was destined for. But she was destined for greatness. You know, people say, "Wow, you're on the radio every morning." We're doing morning drive. Yeah, it's great. It's, it was never my goal. I never thought I'd uh, be on in the morning uh, with David Kaplan, my friend. But when it comes to Ariana, she was the best of all of us uh, in our family because she um, she was a Chicago police officer that had already filled out an application and going through the motions of the being part of the FBI at some point. Many of us in the family did not know that until her tragic death. She was shot uh, by four thugs right out on and she, her body. was right there in the lawn. The police tried to save her, but she was already gone, and she was shot down after her, end, her day of watch, after she was done trying to serve and protect her community. She was just walking home, getting out of her car, and then just attacked savagely to her death. And uh, it has weighed heavy on me and our family, Ariana Preston. We've got a a Peace for Preston um, foundation that has been started for quite a few months now. But even though this happened in May, uh, the hurt is still there for us. And uh, so I just want you to know that we still have that foundation and anything that you can give for Dion and Terrence. And those are not only my cousins, but also uh, some of my best friends. And um, anything you could do for Ariana in her honor, I know that they've had a back-to-school drive, and I saw that uh, our family was at Soldier Field for the last game uh, against Buffalo, the last preseason game, and George McCaskey honored Dion and Terrence, uh, the parents of Ariana, and uh, it's just been very heavy on all of us. And so, you know, you wake up with it every day. I know Dion, her mother, is going through it in a big way. And I just say that if you are someone who prays, pray for our family, because again, this happens in May. You just don't turn the page. It's been uh, really hard on all of us. So um, thank goodness. I have you to talk to uh, every morning to be able to go through and get through the day and smile and laugh and have some fun because, you know, reality hits, you know, all the time when you say, Hey, where's Ariana at the party? where's, you know, her friends, her family, Miss Mr. Um, some terrible, for sure. So, um, peace for Preston. You see that hashtag all over social media, but that foundation is there as well. And so, uh, when they have events, I hope that you can be able to support, uh, so many events that's in Ariana's name. Um, so that's just been weighing heavy on me, but again, because we have the show, just like i feel like i can do for you if you're going through something and i can get your mind off of it by just for you yelling at me about my chicago bears thoughts or my chicago white Sox thoughts Uh, if i can get your mind off of uh, things for a few hours then i succeeded and i know that you do that for me because i had that platform with cap every morning to be able to just talk and talk about other things than uh the tragedy that happened in my family this past may uh, speaking of sports, let me get over to there because let's talk about the White Sox for a second. I have not was down in the air when uh, Jerry Reinsdorf made his uh, made his press conference. I can't believe he actually spoke to the press. It's been years since we've seen Jerry come up and speak to the press. I was stunned by that um, to introduce Chris Getz as the new general manager or baseball operations guy for the Chicago White Sox. That did not surprise me one bit. And it's really unfortunate if you're a White Sox fan because you're looking for something new and fresh and different in the organization, and you still keep going out there, and you still continue to support and wonder what's going on with the team. Now, I've told the story many years, you know, growing up 20, 25 minutes from the ballpark, was so used to, you know, seeing my friends and my family go out to the White Sox games with me and having fun, and more times than not. We didn't get the return on investment. More times than not, uh, we had a hard time you know, going to the games, having fun there, but then we don't get the wins. We don't get the championships. We don't get the hardware. Thank God for 2005 because we'd still be wondering where's ours, when are we going to get a World Series championship. But just getting to the point with Jerry Reinsdorf and Chris Getz, uh, I've known Chris for uh, some time uh, when he with the minor leagues, with the Chicago White Sox, and even though I've known Chris, um chris knows and i think everyone else knows if they just do one google search um when's the last time besides Luis robert that the chicago white Sox were able to cultivate multiple players from the draft and i don't mean from other organizations i'm talking about cultivating homegrown talent through the draft and bring them up to the big club and for that team to be able to flourish now i know it's a lottery i know it's kind of hit or miss because it's the baseball draft but that's his job, and it's not just Chris Getz. It's just the organization. Uh, it's always trading and borrowing and trying to buy other players and trying to cobble together a team. Uh, and I just think that the White Sox should be better than that. Jerry Reinsdorf, at eighty-seven years old, should sell the team. He said in the press conference, he goes, "I don't golf and I don't go out. You know, I'm kind of a boring guy. I just want this to be better before I go." How's that going to get better if you don't spend money, Jerry? You know, he's still. Old school, bring up names like Branch Ricky and all this stuff in the past. It's was like, oh, my God, man. What have I gotten myself into as a White Sox fan? But I've been dealing with Jerry since, what, 1981 when he took over with Eddie Einhorn. It's, uh, it's something, man. It's just the same old, same old on the south side. I just couldn't just, as an owner, I just could not sit there and just watch the empty seat after empty seat and bad year after bad year and just hope that things turn around. Things did turn around for 2005 because it came out of nowhere. But at the same time, though, it's just uh, the championships and the um, the White Sox being a contender is too far in between. There's too many times where the White Sox just did not succeed. Now, Chris Getz in that spot. Chris Getz seems like that is just a transition to something else. Uh, Jerry wants to keep him in the job for 20 years. He can, but I just think because there's going to be a new stadium coming up and things could change with ownership, I'm not sure how long Chris gets is going to be in this thing anyway. And then on top of that, oh, by the way, Pedro Graffal is going to stay around as well. That's awesome. So I told uh, our staff at ESPN Chicago, I said, yeah, Graffal is going to stay. And no one believes, like, no, he's going to be one and done. No, nope, that's not how the White Sox do business. Because loyalty has kicked their ass so often. And it's kicking their ass right now. Think about last week. Possibility of moving to Nashville or moving to a new stadium. You fire Rick and Kenny. There was someone shot at the stadium. And then the guy that's been a done a less than mediocre job as a um, the head of minor leagues is now the general manager of the Chicago White Sox. Not a great seven days or 14 days for the White Sox. That is for sure. Okay, so um, we've gotten through all that. I want to go through the mailbag. That's the reason why I'm here is because on Facebook... A lot of you asked me a lot of questions, and you line them up here. So I'm going to answer a lot of the questions here that you have in front of me. Some of them um, are a repeat. And, um, Mike, thanks so much for checking in on the on this podcast. I see you. Um, if you have any questions, you can put your questions in. But I have them right here on my Facebook wall. Facebook.com. Look for Jonathan Hood. Okay. Let's, let's go to your questions. Wayne Pierce. Wayne Pierce says, what does success the Bears look like this season? What did the, the success look like? Well, I said um, right before preseason that I felt like the Bears could win seven games this year. Oh, why seven wins? Because they had three last year, and everyone's growing at the same time. Everyone's growing. The general manager is growing, as well as the um, the quarterback is growing. That means the defense is growing. Matt Iverflus is growing. Everyone's growing up at the same time. And so when I say that the Bears are a 7 win ball club, that's what I feel like they could be. Now, I'm, I might go up to 8, but here's the thing. They're not ready to be as playoff juggernaut just as of yet because Justin Fields needs to grow in his position as well. No matter the hype that you see about Justin Fields and the Bears, he, the young man has to be able to learn how to grow as well. Just like this offense needs to learn how to grow. DJ Moore is going to help this offense, yes. But Justin's got to get the ball down the field. And that means the running game's got to be good. That means the defense on the other side, that's got to be able to be good as well. It's so funny. We're so into offense in in football, I don't know because of fantasy or because everyone watches the flight of the ball. Listen, you know what also matters? The defense. How bad that defense was last year. 20 sacks as a team last year. Led by uh, Brisker? No, no, no. That, your leading sack guy can't be uh, from the secondary. You know that, and I know that too. So my point is is that instead of saying, oh, you know what, it's a new season, that means 13 wins. No, that means it feels like seven or eight wins. And I think that from seven and eight wins, especially if they stay healthy, that will make them a perennial playoff team. Because whatever the issues are with this football team this year, that should be better next year. So, you know, I know that everyone's excited about the Bears season. I am as, as well, but I feel like it feels like seven wins. I think the number is seven and a half at this point in time, so it might go under. Um, but I feel like this ball club as is because you need to be able to have more star power, more difference makers. And again, it's a slow build. It feels like seven wins. I hope I'm wrong about that. But seven wins seems like that's the number. That's what success looks like. Success looks like, Justin Fields not running as much. Success looks like the Bears getting after the quarterback and not having just 20 sacks as a team. That's nonsense. Success looks like uh, another level for Cole cold committed tight end. Success looks like a a thorough running game in which Justin Fields doesn't have to run so much. That you got two or three guys, including Roshon Johnson, that can get it done. That means that they're the young guys on the defensive line that they drafted, that they can get to the quarterback as well. Uh, Javon Dexter. I look forward to seeing more from him and so many others that are rookies on this football team. That's what success looks like for me. Thank you, Wayne Pierce. You always check in with me. Uh, Corey Hall says, will Joey Cora be Ozzie, Ozzie Guillen's bench coach next year for the White Sox? Ozzie doesn't want that job. Can I just say that? Ozzie Guillen doesn't want that job. He'd rather not be the manager of the White Sox. He'd like to manage again, but not be the manager of the White Sox. Um, and Joey Cora, there's a reason why Joey Cora has not been a in the mix to be a manager very often in the big leagues. There's a reason. Um, but Ozzie, as much as he'd love to manage, I don't know if he wants to manage the White Sox again. If he did, what's the big difference? Guys would be held accountable, but would guys really start to move, like the Aloys and the Mancadas and Dylan Cease, would those guys really get the job done when they say, oh, Ozzy's here. That means he's got a a boot up my ass. So I got to get rid of some of those guys. I don't think that Rick did enough as far as trades are concerned with his White Sox team. Mark Jones says, when you think of your legacy in the business, particularly Chicago's sports scene, what comes to mind? Also, what advice would you give to those that are trying to navigate a similar career path? Okay, I got a number of these questions about the, the career path, so I'll put it all in one. I got like four or five questions, either from Snapchat, on Snap Hood or, um, or on, uh, on Facebook. So I'll put that all into one bundle in just a second. But the question of when you, th- when you think of your legacy in the business, particularly Chicago sports scene, what comes to mind? Well, you know what comes to mind? What comes to mind is um, relationships and communication. You know, communication is not just a text message. Communication is just not an email. Communication is to be able to talk to so many people one-on-one, face-to-face, and to not be all hyper and to to meet an athlete or meet a a Chicago sports figure, but to be able to establish a rapport, a relationship, and trust. That's another thing, too. You don't want to be that person that's so hyper to be able to meet Michael Jordan that, You want his number right away and you want to be able to say how great he is. No, you know, athletes want to be treated like human beings. And so I think that one of the things that I could say, you know, I don't know what I do is a legacy or not. I will just say that I've been doing this for a long time, since 1991. But the first thing that I would say is, is just be able to just realize that because we watch these athletes at arenas and stadiums and on TV doesn't necessarily mean that they're just, oh, you know, they're they're gods, you know, and that we could talk to them. No, they just want to be treated like human beings. So to be able to have that relationship with people, say, hey, what's going on? What's going on with your family? They want to go know what's going on with me and my family. And they just want to just be able to be normal, you know, just treat it normally. So, you know, if there's anything else, what comes to mind is to treat people like they want to be treated, not like they're rock stars or gods. We know how great they are on the on the uh, sports landscape, but just when you talk to them, just have a good relationship. Just have a great conversation. Um, Andrew Durham says, uh, when did you realize in your life that this is what you want to do and what you want to get into? It's talking about my career. Um, we'll get to that in a second. Cause I'm going to put that all in one bundle. Um, Jim Lexa, Jim Lexa has been so great for my career for a long time. Just a long time listener on any platform that I've done. I appreciate you, Jim. Jim says, how how have you survived working a couple of years with Cap? That's <laughs> a great question, isn't it? How have I survived working? You know what? Um, it is, I have no problem working with David Kaplan. The, the reason why is because I've known Cap for over 20 years. When he was at WGN, when I was at the score, or when he was at WGN, and when I... Um, at ESPN 1000, we worked together at ESPN 1000. I've known him for a long time. I've known him since he was, you know, doing his Winnie City Round Ball review when he was a scout, all this stuff. So it would be difficult if I didn't know who Cap was going in, but I know who, who, my, who my partner is. And he's a he's a good friend, and I get on his nerves, he gets on my nerves, but we make it work. <laughs> He'll never tell you how I feel, uh, how he feels, uh, Probably Um, on some things that I do they're probably it's like, ah, this guy. But we enjoy each other's company because we've known each other for a long time. So I think that helps. And he's he's great. He's great to work with until you start talking about his cubs or his bears or his dogs. Then he starts to get a little bit uh, gets a little bit uh, angry. (laughs) But otherwise, uh, he's great to work with every morning. I got no problems. If I had a problem, I would love the show. So, but I'm having, I'm having a lot of fun. I'm doing something I never thought I would do, and that's morning drive. I'm doing it with him, a friend. I got no problem with that. Um, let's see. What else do we have here? Because I've got to be able to put all the questions about my career all in one. John Glass says, what truly made you fall in love with broadcasting? Um, Martin Horisco, another longtime listener uh, over the years, said, I'd be interested in hearing your background on how you became a Georgia football fan. I recall you saying that the White Sox and Georgia are your two main teams. Also, would like to hear your experience the last two years with Georgia winning the national championship and your thoughts concerning the changes happening in college football, NIL, mega conferences, and everything else. Martin, thank you. Martin is, is a very good media writer and a longtime listener of things that I've done over the years. So thank you, Martin. All right. Um, Georgia football. wearing Georgia football t-shirt right now. Um, looking forward to the season. Kicks off tomorrow. So, yes, I have told this story before. But um, Georgia, I grew up watching Walter Payton um, as a running back for the Chicago Bears team. Was at More times than that, he was the only highlight on the team until the defense really got good. Um, so, I was a, a Chicago Bears fan watching Walter Payton on Sundays. And on Saturdays, I'd watch college football. I, I mean, I'm a kid, I don't know what I'm seeing. But I did see someone that was just running roughshod over the competition every single Saturday at 11 a.m. And a guy wore red. And a guy's first name was Herschel, and his last name was Walker. Herschel Walker. And I was like, who is this guy? He reminds me of who I, which I, who I watch on Sundays with Walter Payton. Oh, my God. Herschel Walker was an unbelievable football player for Georgia. I said, I like him. I like his team. And that's how I became a Georgia football fan, because of him on the football field. I did say on the football field, didn't I? Um, that's where I started to really get into watching uh, Georgia football. And so I guess I've been a fan of Georgia since the mid 80s. I think that's right, mid 80s. Um, and now that they're national champions, I never thought I'd ever see it. Kind of like my White Sox championship, right? Never thought I'd be able to see it. But now I'm watching them like, wow, we won back to back championships and Kirby Smart has been fantastic for this football team. Uh, again, I'm checking off boxes as a fan of things I didn't see. You know, Stanley Cup championships with the Chicago Blackhawks and the Chicago Sky. You know, women's uh, women's basketball championship, six rings with the Chicago Bulls, and like I'm checking. You know, the, I saw the Cubs win the World Series. It was on the year afterwards, which is a career highlight for me as well. Talking to people from all over the world, that was crazy. That post game it wasn't just Chicago callers. It was people from Paris, France, who were calling Germany. Uh, all over North America, checking out and calling in after the Cubs won the World Series. I had coverage of that with me and Ben Finfer. We had so much fun with that four-hour post-game taking calls. Uh, grown people crying that the Cubs won the World Series. I was a part of that. So, um, so when when it comes to Georgia, the same thing with that. Just like seeing them win back-to-back championships is so thrilling. I'm so happy because it's a team I grew up rooting for, and. They won a couple of championships. Really cool. He asked about the NIL. Um, you know, college football's always needed a czar. This whole thing where it's willy-nilly like, well, players should just get paid. Yes, players should get paid, but there's a way to be able to do this instead of just doling out money for everybody and then having no no correction whatsoever. I just think that college football needed to have a czar or a a head of college football to be able to handle all of this. Um, the idea that a college basketball team's got to pay players 1 through 12, 1 through 13, $200,000 a year, a season, just to be able to be on their basketball team is crazy. Yes, players should be paid, but there should be some kind of limitation to all of this. It's it's way out of control. The, the, the sky's the limit. And so, again, a uh, kid's supposed to be there to get education and to get paid to make sure that he's not wanting of anything. I mean, the education's... Is definitely a payment, but also there's a lot of economic issues with a lot of players that get a chance to be on the top level in these programs. But there's no limit. There's no cap to any of this. It's gone completely out of control. Players should be paid, yes. But the way things are going now, it's out of control. For those that have needed that money because they want to help their families back home, that's something that should been done for a long time ago. But just... It's crazy right now. It's crazy. Okay, so let me put this uh, one question in a bundle. So I I mentioned John Glass says, what truly made you fall in love with broadcasting? What was the moment that you knew that this was something that you were born to do? Uh, And a few others. Andrew Durham says, when did you realize that this was what you want to do in your life and where you are right now? And, And a few others ask the same question. Okay, so... So, I grew up listening to a lot of radio. Um, Political radio, um, sports talk radio with Chet Kopic back in the day when Chet was really the only voice of, uh, did a sports talk show for years at night. It'd be six o'clock in the evening and you listened for three hours and you talked to people from all over the globe about uh, sports, Chicago sports and national sports and everything else. Uh, I listened to ESPN when I was a kid, ESPN Radio when I was growing up, and how interesting that was to be able to get the perspective of everybody across the country about sports. So I was into radio all, for a long time. Um, growing up with parents that really loved radio as well, um, that's kind of where I got the bug to be able to listen. And just the way that hosts could be able to mold and shape in conversations, right? Piss you off at one end, make you laugh on the other. And I listened to so many people that were able to do that. And so the reason why that, that appealed to me is because I love sports. And I remember being at Jewel Osco in the parking lot where I worked, 91st in South Chicago. And I saw the Robert Feeder piece, Robert Feeder the media columnist for the Chicago Sun-Times, like hey, new sports station coming in the town in 1991. I said I want to be part of that. I got to find a way to get there because you know, sports all day and talking about it, Oh, I was definitely up down for that. I want to be able to check that out. So because of my love of listening to radio and listening to talk show hosts be passionate and be funny and be interesting, um, talking about the things that I was interested in. And I want to do that too. I want to learn about that part of the business. And I just think that my style, whether people like it or not, that it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me. I guess the point is, is that I have an opinion to put out there. I think over the years, because of my network experience with ESPN radio, I've been able to have a little bit more perspective with things and be like, okay, you know, everything is not doom and gloom. Everything is not the greatest is always somewhere in between. That's sports. Everything's in a gray area. And the hope is, is that for our teams that we can be able to see wins and see championships and a lot of them. And so, But I understand that perspective of it. It's just like, okay, there's a process. It's like, I'm a fan, and I want our t- all our teams to win, but I know there's a process. And it's like, ah, the process. And you get tired of the process because you just want to see the fruit, right? You just want to see... Uh, your teams win. That's how I've always felt that way about that. But um, but radio has helped me over the years be able to find that perspective, that sweet spot. of be like, okay, look, I know our team's not good, but it doesn't mean it's the end. Or our team's good, but can they be sustainable? Those are the things that I've learned over the years. So I guess at that time as a kid, listening to radio, enjoying the, the business, um, being having my own show for the first time, uh, in August of 2000, I recall that on the sports radio format very well. Did sports radio and did sports radio shows going back to 1992, 93. So much fun! Um, and I've talked about this in numerous podcasts as well. Uh, that this has been—I'm just living a dream right now and having fun with it. So I think I, I've answered everything that was on the Facebook. Let me check and see. I think I've answered everything, but. Um, I'm going to have another mailbox at the end of the month of September, and uh, we'll definitely get into talking about that. Here's one. How about this? <laughs> Mark Sims says, is higher education path- a pathway to the middle class, or are the majority of college students already middle class? Um, <laughs> what the hell? That's a hell of a question there's a higher education pathway the middle to the middle class or the majority of college uh, college students already middle class well i don't know how to answer that <laughs> i don't know because i don't know all the college athletes you know uh, and I, I did ask for questions and i didn't expect that but that is one of the questions that is for sure what do you guys have on youtube here youtube.com before i close this out um Good to see Tyler uh, Burrell check in. Josh, uh, Josh Lopez will will uh, mocks a wrestling question. Will mocks uh, down the uh, a crimson mask on Sunday. Connie, yes. He, if, if uh, <laughs> yes. If John Moxley is going to be at a wrestling event, he will definitely bleed. It's funny that I got my background here because I'm in my GKW Studios here. Good Karma Wrestling um good karma wrestling is another show i do um wrestling because that was my dad and i went to wrestling years and years and years ago we had so much fun uh and um you know when i want to let go of wrestling people bring me back in like oh you remember when you do this wrestling show and they bring you back in so we got a podcast i can't let it go because this is what you guys want got a podcast good karma wrestling available wherever you get your podcast and of course uh, it's on the ESPN Chicago app as well. Good Karma Wrestling. It's right there. Uh, and check it out on the on the app. Uh, good to hear from you, Earl Singleton, as well. He's got the Bears winning 10 games this season. Believes that last year was a tank season, and so the rebuilding process can move quicker. Uh, yes, I agree, Earl, um, that the process is in place, but how quick is that rebuilding process? Yeah, that was a tank. Yeah, it, they definitely tanked. But 3-10 to ten wins? That's not very likely, especially in this NFC North. Um, and I think we got it. I see you, Trev. As CM Punk works, worked his last match in AEW, you should check out the podcast. Good Karma Wrestling, available now on the ESPN Chicago app and wherever you get your podcast. You should be watching that podcast. But if anyone, Trevor, you should be checking out the podcast as he worked his last match in AEW. I don't know. I don't know. I, don't, I find it interesting that... Uh, all Elite Wrestling is going to be uh, in Chicago and has been in Chicago this week. And be weird that Chicago's own CM Punk will not be there, it's odd, wouldn't it be? We'll see. All right, my friends. As always, I uh, appreciate everybody checking in. This is a podcast, but I wanted to put this on my YouTube as well, YouTube.com. Uh, look for... Um, Jay Hood radio on youtube as well i need some subscribers if you haven't been subscribing subscribe to uh Jay Hood radio available on uh, youtube as always i appreciate your support and uh we hope to get a chance to talk again real soon i love to be able to do these mailboxes here um, since it's september 1st i'll do it uh, another one at the end of the month and by the way at the end of the month i'm sure that we'll have a lot of bears talk you and i <laughs> we'll be talking about the chicago bears team oh man my hope is they get off to a good start i don't like when they lose and they lose badly people think that cap and i or talk show hosts love when the bears lose it's really bad for business it's bad ratings wise money wise it's not great when the bears lose we like to them for the they need to win some here get us excited at least for the first month and then see what happens from there I'm Jay Hood. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. And don't forget, Captain Jay Hood, weekday morning, 7 to 10 on ESPN 1000. Download that ESPN Chicago app. Not just for us. Oh, no, no. For the Chicago Bears as well. You can check out the games right there on the ESPN Chicago app.